The following audio is from Maranatha Chapel, located in San Diego, California. For more information about Maranatha Chapel, please visit www.maranathachapel.org. Amen. Hallelujah. Good evening. And um, so this is the last message of the year, and we are saying bye-bye to 2020. You guys good with that? <laughs> yes, may it not be a Groundhog Day. Uh, we don't want that year repeated. So, um, so it's kind of a special uh, message and a special time, but it is a uh, kind of an in-between uh, week as next weekend back in January, we'll be back in the book of Acts and following the moving of the Holy Spirit through the first century church. Uh, but for tonight, we have a, a special message that I want to share with you. And uh, just to say that we need to know our day of visitation. We need to know what time it is. We are living in a very, very uh, prophetic hour. And the King of Kings, I just want to remind you, is in heaven, seated at the right hand of the majesty on high. He is ruling. He is King of Kings. He is Lord of Lords. His will is being done. Everything is happening according to his ultimate purpose and plan. And God says, I will work all things together for good to those who love me and are called according to my purpose. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's bow our heads and pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for uh, everything that you have done for us, carrying us uh, through this year. And I pray, Father, that your word tonight, as we share that word and the words that you have put into my heart, into my spirit, uh, that they will speak to people and they will encourage, Lord, the body of Christ in this very critical hour. May we hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. May the goodness of the Lord, Lord, shine upon our lives. We thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you, Lord, that your mercies are new morning by morning. And we give you all the praise and the glory in Jesus' wonderful, mighty name. And everyone said, amen. amen. Let's see if this gets brighter. It does. Even brighter. I'm in the light. Hallelujah. Praise God. Okay. So, um, but the word that the Lord gave to me uh, is unusual. I mentioned that on Christmas Eve, and here's why it's unusual, because the Lord gave me a word, and, and I felt like it was for me. It was for me personally, and I prayed about it, and then I said, well, Lord, is this a word just for me, or is it a word for everybody and the whole body of Christ? He said, no, it's not just for you. It's for the whole body of Christ. And then he gave me another word, a second word, and I said, Lord, I have a word. <laughs> he says, I know, but I'm giving you another word. So then I wrestled for a while. Well, maybe that word is just for me personally, and this word is for everybody. And then I couldn't decide, well, wait a minute, which one, which word is the right word? And I really wrestled with it, and um, I went into prayer. And, and uh, so finally, I just went before the Lord, and the Lord just said to me, he said, no, both words are for everybody. So I'm going to share with you that which the Lord has spoken to me that I'm receiving on a personal 
way, uh, but I'm going to share it with you. So this is unusual because it's not just one word. It's a two-word year. Are you ready? So here's the words. So it's not the word of the year, but it's the words for the year are restoration and visitation. How many of you like the idea that in a way it feels like so many things fell apart in 2020? How many like the idea of things being restored in 2021? What a good word. But then he also gave me a word of visitation. And so it's unusual, these uh, two words. So we're going to start with restoration, and I'm going to share with you some of the scriptures that God gave to me, and, uh, and then at the end we'll talk about that word visitation and what I believe that that means. So we're going to start with Acts chapter 3, verses 20 and 21, and I'd like to have you read this scripture out loud with me if you can see it, or if you have your Bibles there. And by the way, it's so cool, we have little, we have little fires God bless the people that are near the fires. It's like the shepherds by the fires watching their sheep and their flocks by night. But anyway, okay, Acts chapter 3, beginning in verse 20. Let's read this out loud. That he may send Jesus Christ, who was preached to you before, whom heaven must receive until the times of restoration of all things, which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. So here is Peter, he's preaching the gospel, and he's talking about the Lord Jesus coming, and he says, and he was preached to you before, Jesus, whom heaven must receive. So now that Jesus is risen, now that he is alive, now that he is ascended, and now that he is seated at the right hand, of the majesty on high. And by the way, he has been sitting at the right hand of the Father ever since he ascended from the Mount of Olives 2,000 years ago. He's been sitting on that throne for nearly 2,000 years. But here's the key word, until. Because Jesus is not staying where he is now seated upon the throne. But a day is coming where he's going to stand up and where he's going to leave where he is in heaven and he is coming back down to the earth and he's going to sit on the throne of David in the city of Jerusalem on planet earth. Are you ready for that? Woo! Lord Jesus, we need you. Leave. (laughs) Come down. We are ready for you. And so, he, yes, he is in heaven until the times of the restoration of all things. Now, what does that word restitution imply? What does it mean? Well, the def- definition given to it in the Webster's Dictionary is it's a return to a former, original, normal or unimpaired condition, or the restitution of something taken away or lost. So what what needs to be restored is everything that we lost. At one time, Adam and Eve were on the top of this holy, beautiful mountain where there was a beautiful garden on the top of the mountain. So we believe that 
the Garden of Eden, on top of this mountain, there was a plateau on the top of the mountain. It was probably the tallest mountain on the earth. And um, Adam and Eve saw God. Our ancestors, Adam and Eve, our original father and mother, saw God. They walked with God every single day. Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. How many of you are looking forward to actually seeing God? The glory of God is going to be revealed. And what we had in the Garden of Eden, on the top of that holy mountain, from which four rivers cascaded down. There was a river that literally came from underneath the ground up through the top of the mountain, and one went north, one went south, one went east, one went west, and it filled all the rivers of the whole earth. And man, we were the king and queen of the mountain, and then the Lord wanted to walk with us and let us manage the earth, take dominion of the earth, and bring peace and love and joy in his kingdom all over the world. So that's what's going to be restored in a mighty way. Peter was speaking about a future time when all things will be restored to their original state. And Peter says, this is what we have known since God spoke it by prophecy through the prophets since the world began. So God's going to restore mankind. He's going to restore the earth, the whole world, the planet will be restored. I, I love it when Jesus comes down from heaven. He's going to touch down right where he left off and ascended up in heaven. So we know where he's coming. He's coming to the Mount of Olives. And when his feet touch the Mount of Olives, the ancient Hebrew prophet Zechariah said that the mountain, the Mount of Olives, there will be an earthquake because the mountain, which is a mountain, it's not a person, it doesn't have a spirit or a soul, but that mountain was created, it was spoken into existence. So the creator, when it touches that mountain, there's gonna be an earthquake, and the Mount of Olives is gonna split in two as if making a valley bowing down for the King of Kings to descend. Just as he did 2,000 years ago, the triumphal entry. Only this time, he's not gonna be rejected as he was at the end of that triumphal entry week on Passover, he will be worshiped, praised, glorified, and received, and you and I will be there to welcome him into the city of Jerusalem. Amen? Woo! And the earth will be healed. In fact, a river will literally flow from the top of the Mount of Olives. It will go down and touch the waters of the Dead Sea. So you know how in the north of Israel you have a living sea called the Sea of Galilee. Out of the Sea of Galilee, so it's living, it's got fish, all kinds of creatures in it, and then if out of the Sea of Galilee flows a river, which is the Jordan River, and then the Jordan River goes south until it dumps into this large body of water called the Dead Sea. Now here's something interesting. Why is the Sea of Galilee a living sea with fish in it? And then why is the Dead Sea that there's nothing in it? In fact, it's got so, many, so much salt and minerals and you know, they've made a great uh, product out of that. You know, it's good for your skin and lotions and all that kind of stuff, but nothing can live in it because it's so salty. So what's the difference? Why, do things, why are there fish living in the Sea of Galilee and nothing lives in the Dead Sea? And it's very simple. 
because the Sea of Galilee has an inlet further up Mount Hermon, which water comes out of Mount Hermon and flows into the Sea of Galilee, but then it also has an outlet where water flows out of the Sea of Galilee. And because it has constant fresh water going in and then the old water flowing south, an inlet and an outlet, it's alive. But when it then the Jordan River goes into the Dead Sea, it has an inlet, but it has no outlet. The water stays stagnant and still, and therefore everything eventually dies. What a great picture for a human being. We need the inlet, we're made in the image and the likeness of God, but we need to have an outlet called confessing our sins to repent of all the things we've done wrong so we can be washed and cleansed in the blood of Jesus Christ and that makes us alive, amen? So those who are dead, they only have things going in but they never have anything ever going out. So the, the entire planet will be restored when Jesus comes back. The animal kingdom will be restored, the environment, the whole earth will be perfect. You know, um, Drew was talking about, hey, let's go to Hawaii. How many of you would love to go to Hawaii? It's kind of like a little bit maybe, you know, undisturbed and maybe like what the Garden of Eden was like. But can you imagine the whole world being paradise? Absolutely. And there's going to be no badlands, no wastelands, no deserts. It's going to be absolutely pure and perfect. And another thing that I get very excited about, there's no politics in the kingdom of heaven. We have a king. There's no voting. There's no parties. There's no divisions. You wake up every morning and go, whoo, Jesus is king. He's on the throne. Every decision he makes is righteous and pure and holy. Can, is anybody looking forward to that? Politics, goodbye. And on top of all that, there's no viruses <laughs> in the kingdom of heaven when Jesus comes. So restoration, he's sitting. And now look, he's been there for 2,000 years. The Bible says that a day is as 1,000 years and 1,000 years is as a day. So in one manner of speaking, Jesus has been sitting on the throne for two days. You know that the number three is very significant in the Bible. It was on the third day that Jesus rose from the dead. We're somewhere near the end of day two, at the very beginning of day three, and I believe that soon and very soon, Jesus Christ is gonna stand up from his throne and he's coming with 10,000 times, 10,000 of his saints and angels, and he's bringing his kingdom from heaven to the earth. He's gonna destroy the works of the devil. He's gonna defeat the Antichrist. He's gonna overthrow everything that the enemy has done and establish his kingdom forever and ever, amen? So, uh, you know, I, I love watching the whole idea of restoration. Uh, you know, I've talked about, you know, sometimes Vicki and I will watch those home shows, like if any of you have watched uh, Fixer Upper, anybody watched that show with Chip and Joe? Joanne Gaines, and uh, they take these, you know, loser houses, and well, here's what's so awesome about it, is they take a loser house, and then they're, you know, doing all their work, and then they fix it all up, and it's totally brand new and beautiful and restored. Every single time, it only takes one hour for them to do it. <laughs> I wish I could do that in one hour. 
Maybe some of you have restored a home, or some of you guys maybe have restored a car, an old, nasty, rusty car that's totally fallen apart, and then you need to restore it. And you may need to literally get rid of it, cut all the rust out of it. You may need to replace parts. But with all of that labor that goes into it, man, what a beautiful thing. Once it is finally, totally, completely restored, a thing of beauty. That's what God is going to do to the entire planet Earth. So God is coming, restoration. We are, I believe, and I've mentioned this uh, to you before, I believe that we're with the Abraham Accords, and I haven't explained why yet, and I will eventually, but I believe that with the beginning of the Abraham Accords, it started in September, the middle of September, around September 15th of this year, the Abraham Accords are the beginning of something that Daniel the prophet talked about, the 70th week of Daniel, uh, and that shall last for one week, and I think we're right at the very beginning of that. But what, here's what I want you to note next. The day of the Lord must come first. Before the end of all things, there must come the day of the Lord. Many verses in the Bible describe the coming day of the Lord as a prerequisite to the first phase of the restoration of all things. Now, going back to the Old Testament, the story of Israel, before God could restore Israel, he first had to deal with Babylon. Babylon had come and overthrown Israel. God had allowed it because they had rebelled and they had sinned, and he allowed them to go into captivity. But God wanted to restore Israel. He wanted to restore his people. He wanted to restore the temple. He wanted to restore the hearts of the nation. But before he could do that, he was going to have to deal with Babylon. And judgment would have to come upon Babylon. So I want to share this scripture with you. Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 10. Now let's read this out loud. See, I have this day set you over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out and to pull down to destroy and to throw down, to build and to plant. That's a word that God gave to the prophet Jeremiah. He goes, now Jeremiah, look, my people are gonna go into captivity and they're gonna be in Babylon and they're gonna be there in exile for 70 years. But at the end of 70 years, I'm gonna bring them back. And I'm gonna restore the nation. I'm gonna restore the temple. I'm gonna restore the glory that had been there. But in the meantime, before Israel could be restored, God had to bring his people through a time of fiery trial in Babylon. And then eventually he would bring judgment upon the country of Babylon. How does judgment come? So what I'm saying is I, I believe the word for this year, hear, hear my heart, hear what I feel that God is inscribed in my spirit in times of prayer and waiting upon him. That beginning in 2021, this is a year of absolute divine restoration. Absolute amazing. It's the beginning of the ultimate restoration. We don't know the details. We don't, certainly don't know the day and the hour. And certainly the rapture, which is a mystery, could happen at any moment, at any time. And I'm waiting and ready to hear that trumpet call. How many are ready to go with me when we hear that? Amen? 
But in the meantime, until we hear the trumpet call, we've got work to do, apparently. And God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So it's all about the harvest. God is, if he, if he came before he should, people would be lost for eternity. So God is at this time working on the harvest. So we're at the beginning of this restoration. And what I want you to know is that as God began to minister to Jeremiah, he said, Jeremiah, I'm, I am hearing your prayers. I am hearing your cry. I am going to restore the nation. But in the process, there's going to be, as it says here in chapter 1, verse 10, I've set you over the nations and over kingdoms to root out, pull down, destroy, throw down, and then build and plant. I believe that in 2021, we're going to see God rooting out, pulling down, destroying, and throwing down, and then he's going to begin building and planting his kingdom forever and ever. Amen? So it's a short window in, in during all of this time that, that culminates with finally the Lord coming in Matthew 24. Verse 29, it says, immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, the stars will fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven. And once Christ returns and establishes his kingdom on the earth, then the final times of the restoration can actually begin. So I want you to turn, if you have your Bibles, if not, just listen in. I want to read to you Malachi chapter 4, verses 1 through 3, because what does this mean? Uh, okay, so God is going to begin restoring in 2021. And I describe it this way, the coming fire and glory. God's spirit in working in preparation for the coming of his kingdom is going to be bringing a heavenly fire to this earth. And he's also going to be manifesting his glory. Um, so in Malachi chapter 4, verse 1, it says, For behold, the day is coming, and it's burning like an oven, and all the proud, yes, all who do wickedly, will be stubble. And the day which is coming shall burn them up. Amen. Now mark my words, every evil person, every evil world leader, dictator, the fire of God is coming. And all evil and all wickedness is going to be burned and consumed and leveled and replaced. In Jesus' name. Jesus. Says the Lord of hosts, and that will leave them neither root nor branch, but to you who fear my name... Okay, so that's what God's going to do to the evil and to the wickedness. But now for his own children, in verse 2 he says, But to you who fear my name, the believers, the son of righteousness shall arise. Now guess what? So there's a fire of judgment that burns like fire burning wood, hay, and stubble. But there's also for the believer another fire coming that's like the fire of the sun, only that fire is the glory of God, and it doesn't, you know, burn us to hurt us, but it heals us. 
It's the fire of healing. It's the fires of cleansing. It's the fires. He'll come with the son of righteousness with healing in his wings. And you shall go out and grow, uh, and grow fat like stall-fed calves. <laughs> now, that may not be a heartwarming <laughs> image uh, to those of us who live in modern times, but, you know, this was an agricultural people. And when you had a bunch of calves and they're all penned up, and then finally, you know, when the farmer goes over and he opens the gate and he goes, okay, go out. Uh, and they start, you know, calves will leap and hop and, you know, it, it's a picture that every agricultural person would appreciate and just seeing that they're alive and they just, you know, their legs are filled with life and strength and they're jumping around. And God says, that's what's going to happen to my kids. You're going to be filled with the strength and the power and the zeal and the passion and the spirit and the joy of the Lord. You're going to be dancing around in my presence. And you shall trample the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet. Amen. So here's what I want to say to you. What, the world, God's going to be dealing with the world. God's going to be dealing with evil. God's going to be dealing with wickedness. God's going to be exposing all kinds of things that are not of him. But he's also bringing a fire to the church. And that fire is a cleansing fire. It's a... It's a fire that will bring purity within the church, holiness within the church, the glory of the Lord, the presence of the Lord, and we're going to become more focused on, wow, I want to be far removed from anything of the world or of the flesh or of the temptations of the devil, and I want to run as hard and fast as I can right into the middle of obedience and walking in obedience to the Lord and loving him and hearing him and following him. I don't want to play over there on the edges because listen, when you're under the, under the uh, umbrella of God, the best place to be is right in the middle, abiding in Christ, walking with him. And it's, you know, we learn by experience. You learn a lot of things by being burned by the world, the flesh, and the devil. And what a child of God learns is, I don't want to do that anymore. I don't like suffering. I don't like the pain. I always get lied to. I always, the devil always deceives me. I'm done with him. I'm done with that. I'm done with this world. I'm staying in the center of the umbrella of God's word, of God's will. It's my joy and my passion and my heart to follow him with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength and just abide with him. In Jesus' name, amen. Does that make sense? Okay, so let's close with the second word. And I'm going to just say this, get ready, because we are now, as we move into the year 2021, not only is God going to be doing restoration, so I've told you how that will affect the world. It's going to be ripping up, pulling up, tearing down, throwing down. <laughs> He's also going to be building and planting. But it's also the hour of visitation. Get ready for the hour of of visitation. I want to say this, you cannot have restoration without having visitation. And the visitation, I believe that God is going to bring, and, and by the way, this was the first word that the Lord actually given to me, and, and it was to me a very personal word, and because I've been seeking the Lord and crying out to the Lord and wanting to draw near to Him. And um, Jeremiah 33, verse 3, that if you will seek for me with all of your heart, 
I will be found by you. And I was pursuing the Lord and I just felt his pleasure that his son wanted a deeper, more intimate, personal relationship. And he said, he basically spoke to my spirit and said, I've heard your cry. I've heard your prayer, my son. And guess what? I'm coming to you. I'm going to visit you personally in a new way, in a new presence, in a new manifestation, in a new glory, in a way that you've never known before. I've heard your prayer and I'm coming for you. (laughs) I was like, okay, Lord, I'm ready. But then it was like, well, Lord, is that just for me? And he said, no, it's not just a word for you. Tell my people, tell my church, tell my bride, they are now living in the day and the hour of visitation. I'm coming to my church. I'm coming to pour out my spirit. I'm coming to let you know I'm with you. I'm in the midst of you. I hear you. And, and something about the idea of visitation is, yes, we know that the Lord, you know, he's up in heaven and Jesus seated on his throne. We pray thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth. And we're longing and waiting. And it seems to us like he's so far away. So the word visitation means that he who is in one sense far away and in heaven, but who is also in us by his spirit is coming down. Just like he said to Israel in with Egypt and Pharaoh, and they said, God, where are you? And he goes, I've heard your cries, and I am come down to visit you and to deliver you and to set you free and to personally carry you by the hand through the wilderness, across the river, and into the land I've prepared for you, a land flowing with milk and honey. Amen? So we're going to have a personal, there is a personal visitation. Now, you you know, I would ask you to enter into agreement to say, Lord, I'm ready. I want that. I want your visitation. I want you to come both personally as well as corporately. We're living in a glorious time and a most exciting hour for these are the days of visitation. And there, is, uh, there are actually two places in the New Testament that talk about the day of visitation. But one is 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 12. Let's read this out loud. Having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may, by your good works, which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. The day of visitation, we've just been celebrating it. Christmas. That's when God came to planet Earth personally. Now, he's everywhere. But would you not admit that when he came in the form of a baby, as a human being, that's as personal as it gets. And God says, I'm going to come again a second time personally, and I'm going to bring my kingdom with me. And that's why it's called a day of visitation. And it's a glorious day that is coming. In the last book of the Bible called the book of Revelation, which is often associated with the end of all things, but it also speaks of new things that are coming. So we're headed all the way to the very end of Revelation and the second coming of Jesus Christ. And there's a lot of new things in the book of Revelation. It says, you will receive a new name. 
It says there will be a new Jerusalem. There will be a new heaven and earth. And in fact, in the end, all things will be new. It's like New Year's Eve. Everything is new. Ring out the old and ring in the new. The Lord Jesus is coming very close to you. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's close our Bibles. Let's all stand. I want you to bow your heads for just a moment. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Father. Hallelujah. And I want you to join me in a very simple prayer. This is a different prayer. We pray the prayer of salvation together often, but this is a prayer for the believers. Uh, it is, it's praying what we've just heard into our own hearts. So if, you're, if you've heard this and you're like, okay, I'm ready and I'm willing, then I want you to pray with me just a simple prayer as we pray this in. Not just to hear it and be t- detached from it, but to personalize it and be ready to receive it. So let's pray together after this manner. Dear Lord, I worship you. I praise you. I glorify your name. You are worthy to be magnified and to be praised. Thank you for being my Savior and Lord. Oh, Lord, look down upon us. See our generation. Look now upon this world. We are in trouble. And we need you. We need divine intervention. We need restoration. So we invite you our Heavenly Father to do everything you've done in the past when you restored Israel you brought them through fiery trials and they trusted in your promise you brought them home you restored their nation you restored their temple You restored the glory by sending your son, Jesus. Now do it again, Lord. Restore us. Whatever you need to root out, root it out. Whatever you need to pull up, pull up. Whatever you need to throw down, Throw it down. Let none stay your hand. Let your will be done. On earth. As it is in heaven. Restore your church. Bring your fire. Bring your glory. Purify us. Cleanse us. Give us your passion, your love, joy, and peace 
the fruit of the Spirit. And last of all, Lord, visit us. We are ready for a visitation. Visit our church, Maranatha Chapel. Manifest your glory. And visit the church at large around the world for such a time as this. And may we have a personal visitation to see you, hear you, feel you, experience you in a brand new way that will change us from the inside out for your kingdom and glory. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, we did it. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Maranatha Chapel. If you haven't already, please subscribe for weekly messages. Feel free to share this podcast and join us for our weekend services held Saturday evening or Sunday morning. Visit our website at www.maranathachapel.org for more information.